right. I'm here with my friend, Pierre Pagano. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you're, uh, you used to have a women's only yes. fitness gym I did. In, in Manhattan. I did. Yes. And uh, you, uh, you, uh, you're a repatterner. Pat, <laughs> yeah. how, do you, how do you say that? Repatterning. Repatterning. You do repatterning. Of your blueprint. The one you were born with and the one you've developed, you know, due to every experience you've ever had since the moment you drew breath. Mm. You know, we, we talked a little bit a couple of days ago and I was like, wow, I'd love to just kind of chat about that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, could you explain it to me? Right. Well, do you want me to explain to you from the very beginning when I first started or just the repatterning part? I think the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. How did you get involved in it? All right. Well, I did um, have a gym mm -hmm. a long time ago uh, because there really weren't any gyms that women could go to and work out without getting hit on. This mm -hmm. was in the eighties and it was, it was a big scene. Like you would go to the gym to, you know, meet people, mm -hmm. but uh, there were people that really wanted to work out and I was one of them. And I complained about it so much to my business manager. I was a clothing Talking designer. To that microphone. Yeah. I was a clothing designer and um, I complained about it so much that he told me to open my own gym pick who I wanted, and then just close the membership, a women's gym. And then that way I would be able to do whatever I wanted and not be tortured. This was in the 80s? In the 80s, yeah. Wow. In the 80s. And he told me also that he had an empty building that had, it wasn't really empty, but there was a floor that was empty. And I could have that floor and just do whatever I wanted, which was very enticing, you can imagine. But then he told me that on the floor underneath me was... Al Goldstein from Screw Magazine. So it was going to be <laughs> a bit of a ride. <laughs> I'm having a women's gym, and then I don't. Do, have you ever heard of Screw Magazine? Is it like a porn? Yeah, <laughs> a porn and the, he was like <laughs> Al Goldstein was the king of porn. Okay. It was before porn was like something everyone said. It was just in Al the, Goldstein in, in, in the city, huh, in Manhattan? In the city, yeah. And okay. his door was locked because he had so many death threats. But I remember meeting huh. him on on the elevator. I mean, he he was could tell who he was. He was a short, heavy set guy with a lot of, you know, beard and hair. And he, he but he was really nice. And he said to me, listen, your girls, my limousine, it sits outside all day doing nothing. If you ever want to go anywhere, <laughs> just get, <laughs> you can use it. And I was, oh, thank you. But <laughs> we never used it. <laughs> but I did open up this gym and it was for women. Things were free, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no free lunch <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, he was a nice guy, though. Yeah. I mean, I have a few stories about him, but they have nothing to do with this. But in each case, he was very nice to me. I don't want to say anything about him other than he was very nice to me. And, you know, never bothered us. But it was a women's gym. Mm -hmm. I had all men working there. Were there any other women's only gyms at the time? Lucille Roberts. Okay. That was it. But it was different. I, I had uh, professional dancers teach all the classes. And they were all men from, like, Martha Graham and mm -hmm. all, any of the uh, big companies. Mm -hmm. And I closed the membership when I had enough money to run it and just make break even mm. because all I wanted to do was work out in peace. Mm. But then, I mean, I'm sure you know this, when you own a gym, it's like you don't get to ever have any peace because the toilet's broken or there's some kind of issue with something or other. Boss being the boss life. Huh? Yeah. And then <laughs> I, had the, I had an assistant who was this beautiful male dancer named Charles. Mm. And I told him when people come and knocking and they want to interview, you tell them you're the owner. I don't want to deal with it. I just want to work out. And so I had that gym and then I sold it okay. and, and moved on. But it, what it taught me was how to work with people and um, that everyone has a story. Mm. 
So that that's what started me thinking about it. And I would I went into styling because I was a clothing designer at first, mm. and I started styling. And uh, I realized that working with people in their closets, they start to talk to you about everything. It's like being a bartender, mm. and they tell you everything about themselves without um, even you asking. And I did that for a lot of years, and it became you know like I was over it. I wanted to just change my life and do something else, and I started thinking about um, holistic health mm. and that it would be better to change people on the inside mm. to feel good about themselves on the outside rather than from the outside in. And that's when I started to develop this program of repatterning and shifting the blueprint that you're born with. Mm. Interesting. So, uh, so uh, is this something that specifically happened that made you want to make that shift towards some... Yeah, it's the same work in a way, right? But a, is it? It is way. the same work in a way. But I was bored, and it got to be. I could do it in my sleep. Like, I started to look at people, and and immediately in my mind, I could dress them, and I knew how to make them feel better about themselves. But they actually weren't feeling better about themselves. They were just looking good, so mm. it convinced them. Okay, I can go out and do this. But they weren't actually dealing with what was making them not feel good. Mm. So then I started. To, I, I'm a writer. I have a degree in creative writing, and I had written down my thoughts always about that. And I started to think I could develop this into a program and I was already doing it. So it was just a matter of shifting the way that I looked at things. Did you use your notes for, for, um, I guess for content or I curriculum? Wrote, <laughs> I start. I wrote blogs to help myself. Okay. And then my friends would have issues and I would use those blogs on them. I would use the thing, the techniques I had uh -huh. done to myself for them. And they said it helped them. So then I thought, okay, well, this will work. So I wrote a lot. And then I was invited by two of my friends, one who is an acupuncturist mm. and one who does progressive uh, astrology, to work with a group of people and to do a seminar. Mm. And I started to do local seminars with them around New York. And then we started to do seminars in Europe. And we just did one in Italy um nice. that was very successful and a lot of fun and nice. i feel like you learn more when you do it mm -hmm. so explain what is repatterning well we're all born with the blueprint okay. and then there's your parents that's your blueprint they teach you everything about mm -hmm. yourself that you need to know as a child and then every experience that you have during that time and after that time is part of the blueprint uh and it it teaches you lessons both good and bad, mm -hmm. and you repeat them mm -hmm. unless there's a reason not to. And sometimes you don't even realize you're repeating them. And often, I'm, I had a child at this point, and I realized that the things that annoyed me about him, the things that I had so much trouble with about him, were the things that were troubling me about myself. Mm. So I needed to work on that and think, well, where did that come from? And it involves a lot of self-introspection, um, in really, mm. because you have to... Look at everything, and you have to be honest with yourself because there's a lot of us that we don't want to deal with, and we put that in the basement because that seems to be something that, oh, it's too horrible. Like, if somebody knows that about me, they're not going to like me. But you need every part of yourself. So we go through everything and why we feel the way we do. I have a list of 75 words that I read to my private clients, and I tell them, I'm reading these words slowly to you, Write down the ones that trigger you, good and bad. Mm. And usually, one of the words that they write down mm. is idiot. 
Mm. And that seems to be the word that everyone's been called mm. by someone at some point in their life. And it's a huge trigger word. Mm. Sure. I mean, I have, I have little kids now and, you know, middle school, one of them is in middle school and I'm sure those, those things, they stay with you, right? For forever, forever, forever. If you I let mean, it, if you let it, you know, and it seems like a lot of people do. Right? Well, because you don't know you, you believe it. That's your blueprint. Yeah. And you have to actively decide to change it. You know, I remember my father telling me that he was disappointed in me mm. one time and stayed with me for a really long time. I think I was 11 because I didn't put clothes away, you know, and now I have, you know, a child who was 11 and at 11, he didn't put clothes away. It's not really a big deal, but that word, I, I just never wanted to disappoint mm. anyone. I still don't want to disappoint anyone. And I think that's probably why. So how do you make that change? How do you get rid of that, uh, I guess, uh, self-image or whatever? You look at yourself and you say, you know what? I don't want to disappoint anyone, mm. but in order not to disappoint anyone, I have to not disappoint myself. Mm. So you make choices that allow you to live in a way that you're comfortable with because no one gets to tell you who you are. Mm. You get to tell you who you are. And if you've had your life with this blueprint where people have always said, oh, you're clumsy, you're mm. stupid, you know, you're this or you're that, or you're brilliant. It could be anything. And you buy that without looking at it and saying, you know, sometimes I am clumsy and mm. sometimes, you know, I make decisions that are stupid. It's temporary. So what? I learned from it. You, you look at these as blessings and kind of um, as life lessons, depending on, you know, what you think. You, you look at it instead of saying, I'm a disappointment. You say, you know, that was a disappointing thing, a choice that I made, mm. but now that allows me to make a different choice. So you examine everything. And so you travel around, uh, travel around with uh, an acupuncturist and, uh, and a movement movement person? Uh, an acupun sorry, an acupuncturist, an astrologist, and a movement person. Okay, okay. And this is what we do. We do day seminars or we do, you know, like a five or six day seminar depending mm. on what people yeah. want. Are you familiar with Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Not really. Okay, have you seen, like, you've seen like judo and wrestling and yes. those kinds of things? I mean, just one of the things that, that just, I think about is uh, is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Okay, people come in, they're maybe timid, they're shy, and it goes from like little kids to adults, and then they start to get good and they start to win, and it really changes them. It really changes them forever, like completely, like okay. the blueprint or, you know, I mean, what whatever, whatever, whatever things that they had in their put in their head, negative or whatever, you know, the the nonsense, you know. And it changes them forever. So I'm always like, you know, how does that, how does that happen? How does that work? You know, and that's why it, uh, I always, I find it very interesting to see, you know, cause I mean, really in the way, in a way it's similar, right? Psychology and all these different things. Right. Yes. Um, like we had, like we had, uh, like we had a black belt psychologist. He was pretty successful guy. And he would, uh, um, we, we talked about how, how, when you're this, when you're an adult, like and you, people that you just say they they feel like they're young, and then uh, he started to talk to me about how when you're a kid, you know everything's either everything's in the now, and right. as we get older, you're either in the future or in the present. You're never like in the now, and so when you train jujitsu, for example, like somebody else is trying to choke you or get you into like a submission hold, you know, where <laughs> you tap out. Yes. Um, you have it kind of brings you to the present moment, and so it kind of brings you back in a way to your childhood, and I don't know if that's why th it, those changes happen, right? It could be. I mean, what happens as you get older and you have more experiences, you, your monkey mind, you have a monkey mind. Mm. So you're not able to be in the present unless you allow yourself mm -hmm. to be. Because your mind is always telling you, you should have done that. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, you should do this. Or let's, 
like whatever you're thinking about is mm. in your head all the time and you right. you have to quiet the voices right. and just say hey i'm going to give you 15 minutes later you can talk to me but mm. right now i need to be in this moment hmm. that's interesting i think maybe because of the, the it's like a med meditative meditative state right that you're when you train because you're not thinking about anything else you're in the moment because somebody else is trying to choke you right. or get you in a submission hold yeah so you're like totally like immersed in what you're doing and so maybe that's what you're 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 able to yeah you're gonna be able to get in the get in that moment and make that make those changes that's maybe that's why that happens huh it's very hard to do because you have to be very present and we're so busy with the, the monkey the, mind yeah the telling you nonsense yeah. yeah you're thinking about like should i pick up my dry cleaning oh mm. my gosh i'm late whatever or you know in some way disappointing someone mm. instead of saying i'm here right now i need to focus it's very hard to do mm. that. And in order to do that, you have to know every bar part of yourself and mm. be able to be okay with it. Because a lot of people are not. I think the physical aspect, of, which is what you do, has to be combined with the mental aspect, mm -hmm. which is what I do. And there has to be a meeting there mm -hmm. where you allow yourself to be there, to be here now, mm -hmm. which is an old thing from the 60s. You know, they used to have the Baba Ram Das who would be, be here now. It's so true. It's really it's hard. Like for thousands us. of years old, right? The Buddhist thousands, monks that started jujitsu. Yeah. Oh yes. I don't know. It's ancient about yoga, that. ancient practices. But it's There's the a reason same why thing. they did it. Yeah. 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 You just have to be present, and mm -hmm. if you're present, you're. It's it's very hard to do. There's so much stimulus, mm -hmm. especially for kids. Mm -hmm. I thought when I first started doing this that I would have people like me who wanted to reinvent themselves, mm -hmm. who had a career for 40 years and just decided to reinvent themselves, and I realized that it's a lot of younger people that are lost because mm. of all of the things that are going on and the stress mm. and they're overwhelmed. Social media, just different things to social media is so hard. It's so in hard directions. because when you're looking for likes, you're looking for validation and you need to be looking to yourself for validation. Cause if you know who you are, then no one can tell you who you are. So if someone says to you, you're an mm. idiot, you can say, you know what? I'm not, and just move on, you know, but it's hard to get yeah. there. So I, I guess like my, my question again is, is, uh, how, how do you make that change? How, do, how does that change in cha that change occur in the person? You have to look inside yourself okay. and make decisions and choices about yourself. So do you like, do you, do you uh, I guess the, could, we, could you explain the process? Uh, yeah. When I meet with someone, uh, the first thing I say mm. to them is, you know, well, tell me about yourself. And they talk about themselves, and pe that's people's favorite subject. Mm. So they start to talk about themselves, and I'm listening. Listening is really important. Yeah. And so once you realize what they have to say, they start to form a solution themselves mm. just by talking about mm. it. I don't think people spend the time listening. And when you listen to someone talking about themselves, they're actually talking to themselves. Mm. And you find that it's a sort of synergy between the two of you. Mm. And then you can sort of shift the way they're looking at it and mm. maybe offer them a new way. Because when you're inside yourself, like you're not actually present with yourself because your monkey mind is telling you, oh my God, oh my God, like, did you turn the stove off? You know, when you're talking about it and I'm listening to you, I'm devoting all my attention to you. Mm. You're devoting all your attention to you too. And usually between the two of us, we can find another way to look at things and that's the shifting part of it and then you can let go of the things they're like stones in your pocket i remember reading a story about that you know this guy was trying to walk up a hill and he couldn't his pockets were heavy with these stones and his friend said to him why don't you just take the stones out of your pocket it'd be a lot easier to walk up the hill he said 
I just never thought of it. And then he took the stones out, and every time he took one out, he was able to walk lighter mm. and get, and he reached the top of the hill. But I think it's a matter of paying attention to who you are. And that way you can decide. You know, I find it interesting that you have, uh, you know, like acupuncturist person, so like kind of like a body worker yeah. in a way. And then you have a movement person, right, with mm -hmm. you. Um, because I've been, you know, I've been, you know, studying like, you know, a lot of like brain things and just trying to make those changes. Like we both have a multiple sclerosis, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'm just trying to optimize myself and feel good and, and be my best, right? Yes. And so I feel, you know, it's just my subconscious, but all this, I, I'm really obsessed kind of with learning about <laughs> these are. things, you know? <laughs> and uh, I feel like the Trinity really for me has been uh, one, like a movement practice, right? And yeah. I, you know, of course, I told you about the tack fit things. Yes. Um, but then also sometimes you need some help, right? And so uh, like a body work person, I've done like the advanced, like the stre uh, fascial stretch therapy. I'm like, a, you know, I've done some of the, their, their things and I've done some body work things yeah. as well. Uh, just because I feel like I want to know, I want to, I want to understand. And then uh, the last piece is kind of like the, like the, this kind of the psychology in a way, things, right? Yeah. Well, you have to be okay with you. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think, but it's like, if one doesn't work, another might work, right? Right. Is that is that why you have those people with you? Well, actually, no. We kind of all work together, and it's very funny. A lot of times, people will come up to us at the seminars and say, mm. "Do you guys talk to each other mm. before you meet with us about us?" And and because they fill out a questionnaire, so okay. we learn a little bit about them. Mm -hmm. But we don't, and but we give them the same advice from different points of view mm. and the same way of looking at things from different points of view, and that way, you yourself, if you're our client can come up with your own strategy and your mm. own blueprint. You don't mm. need to hold on to a lot of things. The, there are things your parents taught you you might not need anymore. Mm -hmm. What does the movement person do with the with the people? The movement person works on uh, somatics and helping them get into their body and mm -hmm. using their body as a tool to navigate the world, to be present. Mm. It's all about being present, mm -hmm. really. Yeah, that awareness. Yeah, and, and you have to have all of it in order for it to work. Because if you're just doing one thing, you're neglecting the others. That's mm -hmm. the thing that I was saying to you about uh, knowing every part of you, mm -hmm. even the parts that seem horrible that you've put in your basement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to take them out of the basement and give them love because you need them. Sometimes you have to be a horrible person. I mean, you know, horrible with right, right. quotation right, marks. I understand. Because sometimes you need to stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe not who you are today or maybe, you know, in this moment you just need to do it and just say, hey, wait a minute. That's not right. And I don't accept that. But if you're listening to your old blueprint where you're, maybe your parents said to you, ooh, don't do that, you know, don't, don't speak back to an adult. But you're an adult now, so you get to make your own choices. And some of the choices they made for you and teachers made for you, friends made mm -hmm. for you, those might not be uh, things you want to keep. You know, I was asking about the movement person, and so they teach awareness. So she does that through, like, movements and breathing, yes. things like that. Yes, mm -hmm. movements and breathing. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And then, uh, and then, uh, you know, speaking of the multiple sclerosis, right? That uh, I guess we're both diagnosed with, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they they prescribe you like drugs, or when I was prescribed, I was you know supposed to take drugs, right? I I, I have stopped taking drugs, but I was taking yeah, drugs yeah. since two thousand and five. Uh huh. And how? What's your what's your opinion on, on all these things? We talked a little bit about it a couple of days ago. My opinion is they use us as guinea pigs. Mm. I don't think they have a clue. Mm -hmm. Everyone's multiple sclerosis is different, mm -hmm. 
Um, I don't tell people I have multiple sclerosis mm-hmm. because I don't need to, unless right. I need to. I'm, I mean, I, it's me. It's who I am. I'm mm-hmm. not ashamed of saying it, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have me. So I, I think that multiple sclerosis is very personal mm-hmm. and that I changed my life when I found out, finally, mm-hmm. after being misdiagnosed with all sorts of mm-hmm. things forever. I mean, I've had it since the 80s. I got diagnosed in 2005. 2005. Yeah. And I went, by the time they diagnosed me, I was in very bad shape. What kind of symptoms did you have in the 80s? I had oh, no, numbness, mm-hmm. and I fell. I've broken almost every bone in my body, mm. and I was diagnosed as clumsy and depressed. I'm neither clumsy nor depressed. Mm-hmm. I have been clumsy, and I have been depressed, but it was momentary. You know, mm-hmm. It doesn't define me. Yeah. So it, it, it really made me mad. Mm-hmm. And I said to my doctor, you need to send me to a neurologist. Something is wrong with me, and I don't know what it is, and I'm not a hypochondriac. Because I had numbness, I had falling. Mm-hmm. Um, Your balance and everything was on. My balance, to this day, uh, my balance is so much better. Mm-hmm. But I work really hard at that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's bad. You know, I, I, my son is so worried about me all the time. He's like, Mom, be careful. <laughs> but he doesn't realize that my monkey mind is always telling me, there's a step there, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Your survival instincts are strong. Very strong. Oh, yeah, very strong. Yeah, you told me about how people, oh, like uh, poor... Yeah, you have MS. Oh, sorry. Um, like poor you. You know, and you're like, no, I don't. I, that's why I don't tell people. No. And I have that same. I'm, I'm the same. I don't. I haven't talked about. I didn't talk tell anybody really Mm-mm. until I did that uh, attack for team leader video. Oh, right? yeah. And that was. The, I think that was the first time I, I spoke about it publicly. Yeah. I mean, I don't really tell people unless I need to, mm-hmm. and then I do. But I don't feel like it's anybody's business. It's my mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. and I'm the one that has to do what I think is right. What's your What's your uh, I guess description of uh, multiple sclerosis, if you would tell somebody what it is. What it is to me? I mean, I, I just think I it's... Maybe to others and then to you, but if what it is for you, both. Well, when you say you have multiple sclerosis, people automatically assume you're headed for the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, th- I just say I have MS. I don't even say the whole word. Uh-huh. I just say I have MS. Uh, if I have to. And uh-huh. my description of it is, is that sometimes I find it a little bit limiting and I know what those limits are. So I stop. I know that when it's super hot outside that I can't stay out for very long. Mm. I have a cooling vest, but it makes me feel like the Michelin man. <laughs> and I'm not sure it even works. <laughs> I just take a bottle of like cold water and yeah. put it on my wrist. Yeah. And then I feel better. Yeah, you figure it out. Yeah, you just figure out what works for you. Because what works for you is probably not going to work for someone else. Mm. I mean, people have all kinds of symptoms. I had symptoms that went away. I have symptoms that uh, I ha- I've been numb in my left hand for since 2005 that I remember, maybe before that. That's when I noticed it. Because you keep expecting things just to be temporary because they go away. And then they come back. And then they <laughs> how, did you, how did you feel when they, uh, when they told you you have multiple sclerosis? Relieved. I felt relieved. I was driving, and my doctor called me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm driving. And she said, pull over. So I pulled over and then she <laughs> said, you have multiple sclerosis. And I said, oh, thank God. It was like a relief. I thought I had like a brain tumor or something, you know, worse. Multiple sclerosis. I could deal with that. Mm. Now I know what I have, you know. And so I, I looked it up and I read everything and I realized I had to change my life big time because it was very different. And I changed it. And I immediately started feeling better, and mm-hmm. I still have to change things mm-hmm. all the time. All the time. Yeah, I remember when I uh, when they well, I went to the doctors th- for the fight MRI, 
but uh, but uh, I think I was just too stubborn to to, <laughs> to admit that I have <laughs> numbness and different things happening to me. And I think even when he told me, I just I didn't accept it, and I think uh, I never will. <laughs> really? <laughs> but, well, you know, in a way, at least my mindset, you know. It but but I, but I of course I I have to admit, you know, because you know we talked about it, you know, my like my balance thing, my balance, and uh, you know, just fatigue and mm -hmm. just all kinds of things were happening. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it's real, right? No, it's real. But <laughs> Even though I'd want to admit it, right? No, no, but you—it is—it's sort of freeing to admit it because then you know what's going on, and then you can make choices. See, this is part of the mindset mm -hmm. where it doesn't have you; otherwise, it has you. And right. a lot of people are right. very depressed, and they sink into it, and then it just gets worse mm. because uh, they just eat. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be in the wheelchair anyway. Yeah. I'm going to die anyway, and then they just do things that they make choices that I think are. Not the choices that I've made, you know, but yeah, I, you know, I go to the MS meetings to see what's new, mm. and a lot of people are there, and they're there to complain. Mm. So I spoke to my doctor, and I said, you know, I would love to have my team come in here and talk to these people because I feel like a more positive attitude could be helpful. Mm -hmm. And he said, for sure, they're not like you. That's what he said. They're not like you, and I don't think it will help them. They need drugs to feel better. Not everyone's a survivor. And I thought, why not? You know, why not? Maybe yeah. they just need an education. But he was not interested in that. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, the mindset. How do you change the mindset in people? I don't know. I try to do it one at a time. I think when they see me, I'm sort of a positive example of it. Because when I found out I had a very young child, mm. and I wanted to, uh, I thought, oh, my gosh. And I was a single mom. So I thought, I've got to be healthy for him. So that was my motivation at, in that moment. Mm -hmm. Was I, you know, I can't let him be raised by wolves. I have to, <laughs> I have to be the mom he needs. So I, mm. I sort of changed everything, mm. and it, so far so good. People, right? People, kids, like love makes you overcome whatever you need to overcome. You're so right, because you have kids too, so you understand. I mean, I didn't grow up with a, a lot of love in my family, so I didn't even know how to do it. He taught me that, mm. and I'm very grateful. He taught me that. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. Like my, uh, you know, I go back to jujitsu because that's that's my life. Yeah, of you know? yeah. Jujitsu and now tack fit, right? And uh, you know, just changing the mindset. And I, I, you know, again, that's what I understand. So that's what I know. But you see, with people, they 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 train, right? And right. then they they maybe they lose, or you know, I mean, somebody's always bigger and tougher and better. Of course. But uh, you have to deal with that, and you have to you have to have a positive mindset. You have to believe in yourself. Right, but losing is not such a bad thing. I right, right. I it's think it's a good thing. It's a, really. it's a part. Yeah, it's a part. It makes you better, but you have to keep your mindset because I mean, yeah. if you have MS and you have you're falling over, you're you know fatigued. Like, how do you keep? Uh, that's like losing, right? And so, how do you keep that positive mindset with that? Well, what I did was I changed the person I was working out with because I think she was one of those people that were like, "Oh, you've got MS," mm. and you know was real careful with me. Now I have this woman who is not careful with me mm. and when i say to her that actually it hurts and she says okay 10 more on that side mm. you know cool and yeah. i like that because she doesn't care mm -hmm. she doesn't give me any like sympathy i don't want sympathy mm -hmm. but sometimes it's easier when you're tired to be like okay good i don't mm -hmm. have to do that mm -hmm. but she doesn't do that she just gives me extra so now i know that she brings out the best out of she you she does and, and because of everything her, yeah i i don't fall i don't fall i was falling all the time i don't fall I mean, it's a, it was at the point where I would fall all the time that I didn't even have any embarrassment about it. It just fell, and then I would get up. <laughs> wow, and you would break bones, huh, when you would fall? I have broken some. I really literally have broken almost every bone in my body at least once. Wow. Yeah. 
because wow. I was misdiagnosed. Mm. I was told I was had depression. I was told mm. everything. Mm. And they did they prescribe like medication for depression? Of for course they things? did, uh-huh. because that's what doctors do. Right. Did I feel it? No. Why would I do that? I'm not depressed. I know myself. I've known myself since I was a child because of the way that I was brought up. Mm. Pretty much, I left home very young. I was 15. And before that, it was not pleasant to live in my house at all. So I think when I was 13, I thought, I'm going to decide that I am who I am. I'm not going to let other people tell me who I am because they don't even know me. They're just making decisions about who I am without getting to know me. So I, that's when it started. And I think it made me angry first because I remember my father always saying to me, Anger is your favorite emotion. And I was thinking, like, why doesn't he ask me why I'm angry? Because mm. I would be, I'd love to tell him, but he never did. So, I th- and, and actually when I was older, I was, he was old and I was taking care of him, mm. which was not fun because I had a young child and my dad sort of moved in on me after years of not, you know. And then he said, I had to tell him I had MS because he expected me to do everything. And I, there was a time when I couldn't. And when I told him, he said, have you taken care of Gabriel? Because he has his whole life ahead of him. That was his reaction. And I thought, okay, fine. You know, I mean, this is how, instead of saying to me, oh, how can I help or in any way be part of my experience, he just moved on. And that was kind of like, because I knew who I was, I was just like, okay, that's who he is. And it was fine. Tell me about your son, Gabe. My son. He <laughs> saved me. I think he saved me. I love Gabe. Well, you know, he's in social media. Mm-hmm. What does he do? Uh, at the moment, he's doing YouTube. He was <laughs> what has he done and what does he do? He was big on Vine, very big on Vine. And um, I think, I don't even know all the things he does, but he, he's now doing YouTube and Instagram and um, TikTok. Mm-hmm. And he works all the time. I mean, he was in college. He finished college. He went to school for film. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, he was working and doing brand deals. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this. And then all of a sudden, I realized he's making money. We have to have a conversation about that. I thought it was pocket money, apparently. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's, he's good. He's great. He loves he's, what he does. Loves it. He's very positive. And I think a very good influence on the people around him. Mm-hmm. And he has a girlfriend who's amazing and the same and she goes to usc and she's on tiktok as well mm-hmm. yeah th- they inspire me every day and i think a lot what of other youtube or instagram um things you know <laughs> oh no well it, it tiktok tiktok uh, <laughs> uh it's cosette cosette uh-huh with the with the c c-o-s-e-t-t-e okay. cosette okay. and gabe g-a-b-e Irwin e-r-w-i-n okay well he's on multiple platforms and okay. i think she is as well but Gabe Irwin. Yeah. They're doing something right now. I'm not really sure what it was. They were on their way somewhere. Yeah. But and they, they love travel. what they do. They love. And um, often they have traveled to talk to people about it because their platform is all about positivity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something we need, mm-hmm. you know, and they're out there spreading it. They don't do anything. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't. They're just about positivity. And mm. I find that very inspiring and loving. They're loving. What um, was I going to ask you? Um, um, the social media. Um, um, the like going back to to like New York. What um, you, you've done? You've done fashion. You've done. You've done. Uh, uh, you had your own gym. Your, yeah. Your women's fitness gym. Mm-hmm. You had. Uh, 
Uh, now you do the repatterning. Yeah, yeah. I had I had uh, fashion. I had stores. I did wholesale. I did the gym. I did athletic. Cl- I did everything. I think um, pretty much everything in the fashion world there was. I used to model. I mean, I started doing all this stuff, and then it sort of transitioned into still working on yourself, but from the inside, mm-hmm. which I find a lot more satisfying. And I love travel, so it works really well with what I like to do. So what would you uh, tell yourself? Because you, we talked about Gabe and, you know, he, he, he's living his passion, right? He's right. passionate about what he does. What would you tell to uh, a 20-year-old uh, um, peer? Uh-huh. What kind of advice would you give her? Oh, at 20, I was fully formed. But I would say, you know, well, I don't know. I think that since 20, I've pretty much done 25, it. 20, 25. 20, 25. I would just say, you know, keep on your journey because everything you do leads you to the next door. So everything you do, every single thing I've done, even if at the time it didn't seem like it, has led me to this. I, mean, I went back to school when I was pregnant with Gabriel for mm. creative writing to get my um, master, no, yeah, my master's degree. And because I did that, it allowed me to read about theology and things that I had never read because when I was an undergraduate, I was you know, more interested in other things. <laughs> so yeah, I would tell myself, like, be patient. It's, and you know what? Be open. Mm. What would you change? I think I would have stopped being angry a little bit sooner. I would have tried to find a way to diffuse my anger. I was really angry, and that fueled me. Who are you angry at? Probably myself, I think, for not believing in myself, for letting Mm. other people tell me who I was for a long time. And then once I started to realize who I was, it gave me the power to change the things I didn't like about myself. But I think I stayed too long at the party, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think that... And then the negative mindset. Yeah. Angry. Yeah, I was angry. Really angry. And like even when I tell you the story about my dad, mm. I was really angry at him mm. for the longest time. And But then he got old and moved in with us, and I had to care for him mm. because I wanted to show my son the example mm. that this is what you do. Mm. Gabriel knows everything about me. I've spared him nothing. He knows my history. And he knows that this is what you do, that you give love. Even if you have to teach yourself to do it, you know, it doesn't come naturally. So I would just say um, I would wish I had let go of the anger a little bit earlier. Changed a negative mindset to a positive mindset, (laughs) right? Through all your... uh, or all, all your trials and tribulations, right? Yeah, you know, um, I think I'm quite positive now. <laughs> uh, and uh, your son is spreading positivity on yeah. the internet. Everywhere, he, everywhere he goes. I mean, I just am so and grateful. In life, yeah. I never thought I'd be a good mother. I thought I'd be a horrible mother. And my friends agreed. And when I had, <laughs> they did, they were like, oh my God, you're pregnant? It was like, yes, I'm pregnant. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was like a gift. And I was finally ready at the age of 40 to be a mom. And I feel like because of that, I have a great relationship with Gabe. We're doing a podcast together now about positivity and awesome. social Love anxiety. It. Love it. What's good, what's the name of it going to be? It's called The Disconnect. The Disconnect. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to disconnect people from the things that are causing them negative thoughts and, mm, and open them up and introduce them to things that are positive. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. How can people find you? Well, at the moment, they can't because we haven't started it yet. We've just set up. <laughs> but soon they'll be able to find us on thedisconnect.com. Okay. okay. Soon. 
speak to Gabriel about that Great. Great. <laughs> because he's the editor of the podcast. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so thanks much for, for your having time. me. Thank you, Alberta. It was so nice to meet you. And you too. I hope yeah. I see you in New York. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll be giving you a call. Uh, please do. Okay, thanks. Thanks.